Smart cities are the wave of the future and rapid urbanization is driving the need for the latest technologies like 5G, IoT and AI to connect every aspect of city's operation. But a true smart city improves the quality of life for citizens and raises its economic competitiveness. Los Angeles is one of the first cities to launch 5G, but has it made any difference to improve its digital economy? Let's find out. Hi guys, this is your host Ashish Jain and you are listening to the Alignment Podcast where we go beyond the buzzwords and connect the dots between technology and its business impact. Today on the show we have Gene Holm, the Deputy CIO of the City of Los Angeles and the Senior Technology Advisor to the Mayor. While she has played an instrumental role in helping the city launch many technology initiatives including 5G, her overall accomplishments are far more impressive. Jean's experience include partnering with global governments to build robust open data ecosystems. She served as a Chief Knowledge Architect at NASA and was twice awarded the NASA Exceptional Service Medal for Leadership. She has received multiple awards for her work on the Galileo and Voyager space programs and three Webbies from the International Academy of Digital Arts and Sciences. She is also a Fellow of the United Nations International Academy of Astronautics, a distinguished instructor at UCLA and leads several startups on education and social justice. She is one of the top 50 women in tech with more than 130 publications on information systems, knowledge management and innovation. Jean, it is my utmost honor to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much, and I'm really glad to be here today. So, tough times. Yes, absolutely. The current situation is really one in which a lot of people find uncertainty and really don't know what to do. And I think that as we move forward from a city's perspective, we really want to help people know the right things to do to keep people safe and the right things to do to keep the economy going at the same time. Great. Well, before we get into the details of you know our discussion today, which is you know focused on how technology is making a difference, I have a personal question for you. How does it feel to achieve so much in life, and how do you do it? I don't feel that I've achieved that much. I feel that we were put here to be of service to each other, and I have been honored to be able to do that service as part of the federal government and now the local city government. And I just um, am always honored to work with amazing people all over the world, whether it's during the Ebola outbreak in Sierra Leone or working on open government data in Russia or working at the White House with President Obama on creating data.gov. I've just been honored to be able to work with amazing people with really brave innovation ideas. That's great. That's so modest of you to say that. So help us understand a little bit on when I say you're the deputy CIO of LA and the senior tech advisor of mayor, what does your role involve? So day to day, I sort of live in two worlds. In the CIO's position as the deputy, I oversee a variety of infrastructure operations, so help desk and emergency operations, which is really very prevalent and pertinent right now. The 301 call center, there's three television stations at the city and Uh, social media, as well as our Google suite, which has been very front and foremost during this COVID crisis as we move people to telework. And then I also have a citywide data and predictive analytics group that we were able to build these last few years that looks at really interesting data trends and analysis across the city and a data science federation that brings 18 universities together with 88 cities to create new ideas around data science for cities. Oh, wow. That's a lot to take. (laughs) 
And then on the mayor's side, I get the opportunity to work with all kinds of city departments, looking at everything from urban air mobility and autonomous flying vehicles, to robotics, to drones, to data analysis for how we're approaching the COVID crisis. There's a whole variety of uh, amazing challenges that cities face, many of which are the same from city to city. Very interesting. So you have your your hands on a lot of things, a lot of interesting things that drives the innovation in the city. So, you know, it's it's very important, one, from a perspective of, you know, when we hear the term smart city, it is a very broad term. But what does smart mean for the city of L.A.? So when we talk about smart cities, we're really talking about sort of three kinds of factors. And the first and most important for Los Angeles is equity. So we want a smart city to be one that everybody is able to participate in and everybody gets the benefits, not just people who are digitally savvy, are very connected, but also those neighborhoods that are across the digital divide. Secondarily, we want to make sure that a smart city is efficient, right? We have a public trust to use taxpayer dollars in the best way possible to provide city services from trash pickup to clean streets to the environmental impacts around climate change. And we want to make sure that we're doing that in the best and most efficient way possible. And then the third one is really around the economy. So we want to make sure that we're becoming a smart city that's one focused on developing new economic avenues for people. That includes people who may be coming up out of the digital divide. So we're talking about STEM careers and new uh, ways of education. But secondarily, really innovation for startups and existing businesses in Los Angeles to do new things around issues like 5G. And so we have a variety of incubators and innovation labs that have grown up around the city. Very interesting. And you mentioned 5G here, which is a good transition. I know City of LA was one of the first cities to actually launch 5G in the city. What was your rationale to consider it as a technology choice uh, for the city and how has it worked out so far? It's been transformational. Uh, So we looked at the issues around 5G as an opportunity. So a lot of cities approached this as a challenge, like how are we going to work with telecommunications companies to put this in? And it's not simple to do. Um, You have to rip up streets, you have to lay fiber, you're generally hanging these off of street lamps. So there's a variety of things that, that are part and parcel of this. What we saw was back in 2017 that this was coming and this was a way for the future. And really, we we needed to embrace it as a new opportunity. And so we formed a connectivity and digital inclusion working group that worked across about 14 different city departments that looked at issues around things like the aesthetics of 5G. So, you know, what kind of streetlights could have attachments to them, to the permitting process, to excavation. I've learned more about different asphalt types in the last three years than I've ever thought I would. (laughs) But what it did is it really let us get ahead of the curve, and we really worked with public-private partnerships with our telecommunications companies and met with them frequently to understand what it was that they needed to be sort of business-friendly for them. And so they really needed things to happen fast, and they needed things to happen cheaply. So we were able to figure out a way to speed up our permitting process 25 times. So we used to permit two streetlight attachments a week, and now we permit 50. Wow. Um, and so that was a lot of streamlining and amazing work from our Bureau of Streetlighting. 
and our Bureau of Engineering to really focus in on that aspect. And then we are one of the most economical cities in which to attach a 5G device just because we have so many streetlights. We have 225,000 streetlights. And so for us, the cost and management of those is not so expensive. Uh, on an individual basis. And so our attachment rate is relatively competitive. In exchange, though, we needed something from the telecommunications companies, and it goes back to that aspect I talked about, which is most important to Los Angeles, which is equity. So we wanted to be able to fix a problem that had happened in the past when we didn't govern the deployment of 3G and 4G. In that case, we ended up with a city where neighborhoods did not have easy access or affordable access to the Internet. In some of our neighborhoods, less than 50% of homes are connected to the internet. And now in, in a COVID-19 environment, those kids are trying to learn from home and get online and they can't. So we decided with 5G, we would share maps, uh, GIS maps around our digital equity uh, areas in the city. And we worked with the telecommunication companies so that they're building out faster in those neighborhoods than they have traditionally in the past, so that at the end of our 5G deployment, we're going to have a much more equitable city. Very interesting. So you're saying this is, I mean, considering the situation right now, of course, you know, everyone is is at home, working from home or getting education from home. 5G is already making a difference in helping them connect? It is, because we've been able to make some of our neighborhoods that were really disconnected before. It was just very hard or very expensive to get online. And those neighborhoods now, because 5G has so many devices that they deploy, and let me just give you an example. Before we started the 5G deployment, the city of Los Angeles had about 1,500 3G and 4G devices that were out in the community. And we already have 2,500, and we're on our way to five to 10,000. So now when we start having to have the densification of the network that 5G requires because they're just putting a lot more bandwidth out, and so the devices have to be closer to each other, we're finding that we're able to build out in neighborhoods where we didn't before. So kids are able to get online. And we also just launched a new website called Get Connected Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And that integrates a whole bunch of offers from our telecommunication companies and others for giving kids super low cost access to computers as well as free or super low cost internet. So it's free for K through 12 families, it's free for healthcare providers, and it's free for educators. Wow. And, and when you were saying, you know, the devices in the community, the, those are bounded to a single community. You're talking about an average number of devices in a community, or was it in the city you're talking about, the 1,500? In the city, yeah, in the city overall. So Los Angeles is a pretty big city. We're 500 square miles, 4 million people, and 500,000 businesses. And so when when the 3G and 4G networks were built, companies rationally built those out for profit. So they built them along areas of you know the most profitable neighborhoods, the highest economic development, businesses, and what we realized is other areas got left behind. And as a city, we don't really have the funds to create an entire network across all of Los Angeles. That would cost something in the neighborhood of $9 billion. And so instead, what we've been doing is leveraging our relationship with the telecommunication companies to help give them what they wanted, which was speed and cost, in exchange for building out in these neighborhoods that have been left behind in the past. Very interesting. 
So when you're saying devices, these are really their base stations, so to provide the connectivity in the in the in the neighborhood. Right, they're small cells for 5G or their antennas, um, because we have both wireline and wireless. Uh, so the wire, the Wi-Fi like you would get on your phone or the wireless cellular access comes off of large antennas, and those are generally squirreled away in our parks or easements around the city. That's great. So definitely enabling people to work from home. And uh, how how else uh, has technology initiatives like 5G or even others like IoT or anything else that you've launched in the past or currently launching is is helping you in situations like this, like COVID-19? What we've done is we've really looked at how so let me start internally focused just at the city. So we have 48,000 employees at the city of Los Angeles. And clearly some of those jobs can't be done virtually. We can't virtually pick up the trash or fix a pothole or remove graffiti or put out a fire or do policing. So a large number of our positions have to physically still be in the city and in public areas. But a large number of our city support can actually be done virtually. And so we've been able to move more than 13,000 people of the city population into a completely virtual environment and another 10 or 12,000 into an environment which runs off of our Google suite that we have at the city. And so that lets about half our workforce work virtually during this time. And so in a place where the mayor gets on broadcast every night, which is part of my organization, is running those three TV stations we have. Uh, when the mayor gets on every night, it's always about safer at home. And so we want to practice what we preach and keep people at home, but still conducting the business of the city. And as part of that, we're really making sure that they have the ability to securely access applications and for us to be able to virtually run public meetings because we're very much about open and transparent government and we want people to be able to make public comments at those meetings and to replicate as much as possible the world we were in a month ago, it seems like it's been longer, where people are able to really just have that ease of interaction and that ease of transparency. Very nice. Now, so do you see this, the new norm, what I call it, in terms of, you know, adapting to the virtual and work from home or doing things remotely? Do you think the city in general is going to adapt to this or, or adopt this model of working and some part of the operations will see the benefits of doing it this way? Well, I think virtual work's been around for a long time and uh, and I've watched a variety of organizations work to embrace this, first at NASA, and then at the White House, and then the World Bank, and then at the city. And some organizations are very virtual just by their nature. So the World Bank has a lot of people who are in country, and so a lot of the world work gets done virtually, which, you know, is part of the culture there. Um, and the, to a certain extent, NASA was forward-facing in this too. But a lot of organizations are like the city where things are normally face-to-face -face. and so managers learn and have a culture of like I need to see somebody at a desk to know that they're working so we've been really working hard on that culture change and it's really about change management and getting people comfortable with the fact that people can be productive and even more productive at home a year ago I decided that I would try to virtualize our 311 call center which is one of the areas that I oversee and and that was really because of just it's a very stressful job and the people in those positions 
log in. I know every second where they're at because they are on the system answering calls. We have like about 4,000 calls a day that we answer. And as a result, I was very confident in knowing that if they were working, I, I could see that. But we allowed people to work from home. And so about 60% of our call center normally works from home. So for us, that was simple to virtualize the rest of the employees. But it also provided a roadmap for the city to say, look, we know people will be productive at home. And in fact, in some cases, productivity increased when people started working from home. And morale certainly increased. And so what we wanted to do was use that as the trailblazer for the rest of the city to say to managers, People are going to get their jobs done. They're all hardworking and sincere people. Trust them to do the work and then let up, trust the information technology agency to be able to provide the secure tools to get that work done. That's so well said. I've been working from home for the last 10 years myself, uh, whether I was in jobs before or when I started my own business. And I always see that, you know, the life, the work life and the personal life is, is so blurred because of the technology and it doesn't really make any difference. And it's the boundaries are only in the minds of people in terms of whether you really need to be in person. And if I need to be in person with anyone, I'll I'll, I'll have a meeting. But I can pretty much get done. And I'm, I mean, it's easier for me because my job doesn't require me to be physically present all the time. But you know, there's certain job profiles, like you said, call centers. Uh, it makes a lot of sense for for you to virtualize that and, and just let them people. And you touched upon something very very important. Trust is is the keyword there. I think it's less about the technology readiness, it's about the people's readiness in trusting whether you can actually get things done from home. Right, and I just have to say, I am really just um, amazed and and really happy to see so many people at the city of Los Angeles stepping up and stepping forward into this challenge as a way of helping each other. And so in LA, we call ourselves the city family. And it's very much that kind of a feeling where, you know, we're all worried that everybody's staying healthy, but we are also very focused in on making sure that all the city services continue to run while doing this massive lift to help people to telework, while doing a massive lift to getting information out and data analysis around COVID-19. And so I think it's been really interesting watching the fact that given the empowerment and freedom for people to make the best choices in a moment that we're actually seeing the very best of people step forward. Yeah, no, that's great. So one one thing I actually wanted to find out is, I know LA is one of the most, uh, num America's number one digital city rated many times. So in terms of your digital initiatives. I know 5G is one of the technologies you mentioned. I know you've invested a lot in the IoT as well and a lot of other things you mentioned in terms of data analytics. Can you give a specific, any, anything that you that comes to your mind in terms of something had this not been placed, you wouldn't have been able to do in, in coping up with the situation. I know 5G you mentioned in terms of connectivity, um, is there any other thing that you that you think had this not be done in place from a technology perspective? Gosh, how would we have done it? Well, I think there's a, there's there's two kinds of things that come to mind when you ask that question. So one is being able to you know get people online like we've talked about. We have a couple of programs I'll just mention in that space. One is called R Cycle LA, which uh, is a computer giveaway program for low-income families. 
sometimes we teach kids in the neighborhood how to refurbish old computers, and then we improve those computers and give them away to families. And we also then buy new Chromebooks for, for folks as well. And the second one is called Tech2Go, which is a program out of our public libraries where you can go and check out a book, obviously, but you can also check out a computer, a tablet, or a Wi-Fi hotspot. And so you can get training at the libraries on how to use these devices, but you can also then check it out for a month. So it's really a powerful way for people to get a chance to try out technology or when a kid in high school is looking at colleges, now he can have free internet access for a month while he's got that Wi-Fi device and really be able to make a much better decision, a much better application. So those are, are interesting ways in which we've been taking this opportunity of building out a more robust, equitable broadband network across the city with 5G. And secondarily, there's this um, other opportunity with COVID-19. I mean, it's hard to imagine anything positive coming out of this, but our city recently won a grant from NASA for $2 million around air quality called Predicting What We Breathe. And it's really using artificial intelligence and machine learning to combine satellite data with IoT data, so Internet of Things data from our city sensors on trash trucks and street lights and traffic lights all across the city that collect air quality data. And we have a bunch of partners from the healthcare industry and the South Coast Air Quality Management District. And what we've realized is as we've started this work and doing predictive analytics to try to improve health outcomes, we have this strange opportunity where suddenly a massive amount of human activity on the planet has stopped as everybody isolates and quarantines. And so the ability to study what happens when the environmental systems do a very quick reset is really interesting because then what we can do is we can measure what happens before and after an intervention. Originally, we looked at things like tree planting. What happens when you plant trees and the tree canopy becomes mature versus an area that you don't plant trees in or other sorts of things like that. But now we can actually look at what happens when you make an entire city into a pedestrian area. What happens when you stop traffic on the highways? How can a city change policies to have a dramatic impact on the environment that will improve air quality and, and mitigate climate change. That's a very interesting uh, project and a very interesting way to look at it is earlier the programs were focused on what to do to improve air quality and now it's just dawn on us in terms of the city has stopped and gives you a very different perspective on you know what it has done to air quality. So have you already noticed like what was the air quality before and now that everyone is inside, the cars are not on road, it, of course, you know, it has tremendously must have dropped. But uh, yeah, it, it's dramatic. Um, we saw this first happening in China a couple months ago in, in January when they started having a lot of closures and people were staying home. So a lot of the manufacturing was stopping. And then we're seeing it sweeping across the United States now as cars are off the streets and there's very little traffic. I've lived in Los Angeles my whole life. I'm a third generation Angelino. I've never seen the freeways all green. It's amazing. But at the same time, it's amazing because we have this horrible situation in which we're trying to keep each other safe. So when we see these dramatic shifts in human activity for whatever reason, we're now able to say, what would happen if we did that even in a smaller scale or in a neighborhood scale? How would that improve the quality of air, say, around the port of Los Angeles or the airport? Yeah, just implement two hours of quarantine every day. 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, but to your earlier point, you know, if it turns out that we're able to get the change management to happen in organizations that lets people be trusted to telework and do that more effectively, it improves morale, it's likely to improve productivity, and it certainly improves the environment. That's true. Um, so I think that there there may be things we learn out of this tragedy that can make some things better. Now that's a, that's a very positive way to look at it, and I think I, I I firmly believe that there's you know the way the world has come together around this, and uh, there's there's going to be a lot of new initiatives around the world, and in one preparedness, and second is what have we learned that you know the positivity like that you've noticed is how can we implement initiatives that will maintain the positive aspects that we have got out of this so uh, that's that's an amazing uh, amazing discussion uh, gene so one last one last question i have is is generally when you're implementing technologies like 5g now, i know there is such a sentiment around in the world in terms of you know many fear that will impact the infrastructure and skeptical about its viability in indoor environments and whatnot. What kind of challenges have you faced in picking up this, you know, rolling out 5G in your in, in the city? And what would you tell other cities in terms of how they can better prepare? So we faced a few challenges. One was sort of shifting the internal mindset a bit from sort of the way in which we had been doing things in a 3G and 4G world, the number of permits we issued, the processes we did, the sort of expectations of how we would interact with telecommunication companies. We needed to shift that into a, a very different mindset in one in which we basically assume that telecom companies would be able to find a way to work more positively with us, not see each other as adversaries, but really see each other as partners. They needed us in the streets and the permits and the streetlights to get their job done while we needed to be able to solve this problem we'd had from the past ungoverned spaces where we had a, a digital divide across the city. And by solving those things hand in hand, we're both much happier. The LA, I mean, the best evidence is LA became the first 5G city because we were so business friendly. And at the same time, we're building out digital equity in neighborhoods that have never been able to connect in the past. I think the thing I would share with other cities is really to approach this as an opportunity instead of a problem to be solved. And the opportunity for cities varies a little bit. Some cities have used this to basically lay a municipal infrastructure and broadband network, which they wanted to do, or to connect city buildings together um, by being able to ride on the conduit that the telecommunication companies is putting in. It's an opportunity to fix digital divide issues. It's an opportunity potentially to help with education. We were able to negotiate with Verizon to bring in computer labs to 12 of our local middle schools that talk, use 5G technology and business incubators around gaming and uh, entertainment for 5G. So again, there's, there's opportunities in all of this that cities can really capitalize on if they just think differently about the approach. That's a great way of looking at it. It's more, I call it an entrepreneurial mindset of taking a technology. And I think you guys have done amazingly well in that is not just look at how we can improve the operations, but form a community again. I mean, going back to your city family mindset and 
you know, forming a community and bringing even the vendors and the service providers together and, and not just them, but also the business community who eventually will leverage and benefit from the technology. So that's the. Right. Yeah. I was just going to say that in this moment that has paid off for us because there's already 5G technology infrastructure. Now it's not complete across the entire city yet. We're still building it out with them. But because we already have that infrastructure, it was much easier for those telecommunication companies to step forward with really amazing opportunities for school kids, healthcare workers, and educators for free internet during this time because they already have the infrastructure here. If we had been still fighting with them or resistant to 5G, we wouldn't have that capability and they wouldn't be able to make those offers. Exactly. Well, I hope the city and the rest of the world comes out of this as soon as possible. And um, and the technology keeps playing its role in helping all of us connect better. I agree. I hope everyone out there just stays safe and stays healthy. And I appreciate everything that everyone is doing to try to make that happen. Great. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Gene. This was really a great conversation. And uh, again, like I said earlier, you must be exhausted. And doing great work in bringing this doing forward thinking and and pre-planning for events like this i mean the your leadership and this is outstanding and uh, i'm looking forward to just watch how city of la continues to progress thanks a lot well thanks very much it's been a pleasure talking today thank you wow it's amazing to hear how the city of LA's investment in 5G connectivity and digital infrastructure is helping them to not only bridge the digital divide, but also to build digital equity. Their forward-looking vision and openness to collaborate with technology innovators and network operators have certainly prepared them well to combat the unprecedented crisis like COVID-19. Gene, once again, thank you for sharing the insights and helping us connect the dots. Thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Alignment Podcast on your favorite platform and please share your thoughts on this week's episode. You can also reach out to me on ashish.jain at kairospost.com or drop me a note on my LinkedIn. Until then, stay safe.